0: morning Faith Fellowship. Good morning. If you have your uh, Bible be turning to uh, 1 Samuel. Today is going to be the beginning of our study of looking through 1st Samuel over however long that's going to take and uh, really excited about that. I want to read the uh, key verse for that book to you this morning. And already it should just come with a great amount of encouragement. In 1 Samuel twelve twenty-two, it says, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. And when I think about that verse and I think about even just some of the things that Pastor James was you know, asking for in prayer and just knowing where a lot of us are and just different things we have going on in life, The one thing that you have to understand is the Lord will not forsake you because you are his people. Man, if you've called on the name of the Lord this morning, there is a great amount of promise just in that statement. And then it says to go on even further, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. And so with everything that he endured and suffered on the cross for your sake, man, it pleased him to have to do that in order for you to now become sons of God. So this is, this is a great opportunity for us. First Samuel, just the things that we want to get down in terms of introduction this morning and, and what we're looking at. The book of Samuel is a series of interconnected stories during the time of judges, Samuel being the last judge, marked and divided by conflict between righteousness and evil. And there are three major contrasts that you kind of want to take note of. And so, like, if you're taking notes, this is the kind of information that helps you to stay in the right frame of mind when you're looking at book studies, okay? And so that first conflict that we'll kind of study next week will be the conflict of Hannah and Panada. This is a conflict between... Elkanah's wives, Hannah being Samuel's mother, and you'll see why it is that this is a challenging relationship. And it made me think about, man, this is conflict in the home. Like, just in terms of how are you going to handle this. Then you, we'll look at the conflict of Samuel and the religious state of Israel. And now we're talking about conflict in society, And this conflict in society is kind of the state of just where we'll need to come from in looking at this is the fact that Israel is not in the best state spiritually at this point in time, which is why there's this need for these judges. And then lastly, we'll see the conflict of Saul and David, and this will be um, a conflict amongst brethren, more personal, more hurtful, difficult. And so there's great things that that we need to amass just from what it is that we're going to look at over the course of the coming weeks. Our author is Samuel. And now let me just tell you a little bit about Samuel. The first thing that you kind of mentioned, and I'll read it to you here, if we were just looking at those first two verses. It says, now there was a certain man of Romathim, Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jerome, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, uh, Penanah. And Penanah had children, but Hannah had no children. So the first thing we see is that he is a great-great-grandson of the son of Zuth. That's a Kohath, Kohathite Levite. So they would be uh, the sons of Korah, which are the sons of Aaron. If you're in that Levitical lineage, that's telling you in terms of where this lineage is coming from, that's Samuel's father, which makes him a Levite. For your uh, Maybe note-taking that you want to take down. The Levites are a special group. So if you guys remember, oh well, it's been a long time. A lot of you are not here for that, because I'll have to study it again. Uh, Joshua, when we were uh, looking at that in Joshua, you'll see that they don't have an inheritance. Uh, what it is is they serve the Lord, and so that is the benefit of their tribe is that they they take care of all of the things that would be religious duties especially in relationship to the tabernacle in particular, very high priority, Uh, very prestigious uh, company that those individuals keep. And so it's the Bible is wanting to let you know that up front. okay, in terms of this and why it is that is the case, because if you think about it, Samuel being the last judge, we're seeing just something that the Lord keeps intact of having this the prophet kind of be the one that helps to right the ship of where it is that Israel is at. And so it's a necessary thing that the Lord wants to do. He always gives opportunity for those that he has established in leadership to be able to do that. And so Samuel is going to be falling in line there. What's the theme of 1 Samuel? So the theme here is going to be the establishment of a king in Israel. This is a big deal as we make this transition from judges to monarchy. So now the one thing that's awkward about this is just initially how this starts and really the Lord's position in his own heart of feeling like Israel wouldn't follow him and that they would just be content with him being king. Now we know just ultimately how this theocracy will truly work once Jesus sits on the throne in Jerusalem. And so we have kind of a difficult stage before we get into David's kingship, and then you get a sense, essentially a picture in man form of what it would be like—a picture of what Christ would be like on the throne, and also the reestablishment of, of a kingdom that's divided right now, and putting Judah and Israel together. And so this is—excuse me—this is, this, me, is going to set us up greatly. Um, as we see how this whole thing plays out. Samuel is pointing to the establishment of David's kingdom through the sons of Judah, a direct kin of Abraham, the father of the nation. In the book of 1 Samuel, the creation of the monarchy is in response to the sin and discontentment of the people and is used by God to fulfill the prophecy of Jesus Christ coming from a monarchical lineage starting from Abraham through David to Christ, the prophecies of a royal line are fulfilled. And so here are these thematic outline here. You definitely want to take a picture of this. Because again, this is the thing that's going to help your mind. If you're studying this, these, these are the ways that you can ke- keep yourself in kind of the boundaries. So you got at first the failure of the priesthood. We'll see that from 1 Samuel chapters 1 through 7. And essentially what we'll see is the birth of Samuel, the failure of Eli, who is at that point the high priest of which Samuel will be will be under, the call of Samuel. Those of us are very familiar with this storyline, and we know that Hannah will essentially ask the Lord for a son. The Lord will give her a son, and then she says, Lord, if you give me a son, I'm giving that son. you. This is how Samuel ends up in the hands of Eli to have to grow up and be taught the things of God. Then we'll see the rescue of the ark and the, the new spiritual beginning. But then now what we have, you know, kind of in the gaps there is this second area, the failure of the first king So then we see that Israel requests a king. And it's like I said, take note of that. It's important for you to just understand. This just sets us up all the way, you know, back to, uh, well, not back to, but forward towards Acts. When there's this heart attitude that the Lord feels of rejection. And it just plays into that rejection that God has received by his people. Ultimately, to the point that you get rejection of Jesus Christ. Israel a king. Saul is made king. We kind of hit on that a little bit some weeks ago. We were talking about that even though God had warned, God was offended, God still didn't set them up for failure. And this man, this is a really beautiful picture. Just how Saul and and the Lord really together. I mean, it could work because the Lord gives opportunity to anybody. And that's something that man, that really you have to um, really take to heart. I know that a lot of times in ministry, it can feel like, you know, God, you know, this person is, is called out as if the Lord is not calling you as well. The Lord wants you to be a part as well. And the only requirement will then be obedience. So we got to see how does Saul do with that, with his opportunity. Saul's first victories. Praise the Lord, there are some victories. There, all of what we know of Saul and what we often study of Saul is generally fairly bad. But there is victory in the beginning. The nation renews the covenant. We'll, um, we'll look at that and just the importance of what's taking place here. But then, boy, the very heartbreaking statement um, just from the Lord is Saul loses the throne. So then we get the training of the new king. Most of us are familiar, but maybe haven't studied these things. And we know we're talking about uh, future King David. David is anointed. And then David serves Saul. David kills Goliath. Saul becomes jealous of David. And you see that that brotherhood between David and Jonathan, Jonathan being Saul's son. Challenging for that relationship. (laughs) David driven into exile and then Saul's defeat and death. And so that's our thematic outline. Like I said, it's just good for you to be able to kind of hold on to that and use that as we study through this in order to get your bearings for what we're looking at. But now what's our focus going to be for faith fellowship? Well, what we're looking for is God's wisdom concerning leadership. See, right now in Faith Fellowship, we're at this really interesting spot. I was blessed when we started Faith Fellowship that a lot of very mature believers came and were, were a part of the class. And, and those are your Bible study leaders that you see and, and people that maybe are discipling you and counseling you and, and, and all of those things. And, and man, I praise God for you guys. I, I, I love them. I tell them that as much as, as I possibly can. But there's this kind of divide. It's like a cliff where if they were gone, God forbid, if they all those, of those leaders just left and went and were a part of other church plants and whatnot, uh, Faith Fellowship would have some challenges. And so what we want to do, guys, is look at what does God say about leadership? And it's really easy for us to just focus on Saul or Samuel or David, but what about leadership as it relates to Hannah's heart? What about leadership as it relates to Eli and, and, and good intentions, but then follow through? See, there's going to be a lot of things from the key characters of 1 Samuel that we'll be able to pull from and look at while also keeping our bearings in what it is that the text is just saying straight up. But then devotionally, we'll be able to pull wisdom about leadership. See, I pray that if you are a part of faith fellowship, you know one of the two things, that we say we're trying to establish you in, one, make an evangelist, but then the other, as shepherds. And we have a great deal of, of shepherding opportunities in this room. We have parents, we have husbands, we have Bible study leaders and disciple makers, maybe future preachers, pastors even. And so what we need to do is get our footing down with what it is that God is saying about leadership from this great book. What's our purpose? If that's our focus, then this is is our purpose. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10 says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Guys, it is absolutely my heart that you come away from this book knowing more about the Lord, being more encouraged of the character of who God is, and that you feel more propelled to move forward in in your faith. You know, we've talked often about that perhaps, you know, in years past, how you were progressing was, was that maybe some of the things you've wrestled with is like, well, I wrestled with that last year. And remember I said that that's not God's heart for you. God absolutely wants you to move forward in faith. And so, man, we, we got to have that desire. So I understand that some of you may, you know, you kind of treat uh, leadership or the idea of that kind of like, it's like a vampire. I'm just going to put the cross up. Get away from me. Right? I don't want to, which would be an odd thing to do. <laughs> right? Concerning leadership, the Lord would go, yes, that, yes, that symbol represents me. Right? But no, listen, answer the call that God put out. Answer the call. And whatever platform that is, for the men in here, that doesn't mean that you're going to be the next pastor of MBT, but it also doesn't mean that you won't be. Answer the call. For the ladies in here, yes, I understand you have children, but guess what? That motherly knowledge you have would be great in discipleship. It is a great help to us in Bible study. Because some of our ladies in here may not have relationships with their moms the way you mother your children. So God wants to use that. I don't want us to be a class that just says, that's Kaya's job. Let Kaya do it. They're younger, they have less to do, they have less responsibility. They're not married yet. All they got is homework. They still live at home with mom and dad. One, I would ask you to guard your heart against the despising of the youth of this church. That is absolutely the future of our church. But two, you are the older. They're looking to us for the example. So what are we going to show them? Man, answer the call. We got a couple of parallel things just to help you feel that association between faith fellowship and and where we are in Samuel. If we're going to see the establishment of shepherds in faith fellowship, then we must use God's word to build our foundation and to identify the traps of human wisdom. See, some of us are winging it. Situations arise and you just wing it in terms of how it is and you're gonna respond. It's not a focus on what does the word of God say about this, that maybe before I make said purchase, that I ask the Lord if it's even okay for me to set my heart in that direction. Like this is the kind of thing that we have to model. It shouldn't be that everything that we have is like reactionary. Man, let's be proactive in our faith and say, Lord, you tell me what to do next. You tell me how to think. You tell me who to marry. Lord, I don't I don't have children. I desire children. Lord, could you make me fruitful in that way? And if the Lord said, okay, do it spiritually and then physically it will come. Would you obey that? Or is it always got to be the way you want it? You've already picked the genders. That's not submission. That's essentially, you know, it's like we draw up the plans of our own lives of adu- as adults, and then we just slide it to the Lord and say, sign that, and I'll get to it. You don't belong to you. You are not your own. And the Lord is surely going to make an example of human wisdom in this book. People come into their own conclusions and thoughts about, what should happen, how they should respond and act, and they will suffer greatly for it. And so let us be warned as we approach this book, these are not just stories. This is actual life. These are accounts. Mm -hmm. Not just stories. In chapters one and two, we see the nation in a seriously poor spiritual state because of bad leadership on the part of the priesthood. And guess what? In our time, we see the world in a poor spiritual state because of the failings of the church. Listen, you got to understand the 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 rescue that we are all looking to see of the Lord Jesus Christ calling us up in the air and hearing the trumpets and all of that good stuff is in part because we're terrible (laughs) at getting the gospel out and making disciples. So the Lord, it's a little bit like I've, I've had enough of watching this. All right, I'm coming to do it. Which we will all say, amen, <laughs> please, today even. It would be great. When the story of a baby's birth is told in the Bible, it usually marks the beginning of great change. Think about what I just said. Moses, you know Samson? Jesus, of course, when the Lord identified a lot of times Bible narrative just gives you we don't get that with Joshua. Joshua is fantastic. He just he's an adult, <laughs> you know, at least a young man. By the time we he shows up on the scene. So this is kind of an important thing when you see that. And now this gives us something to think about in this time, this time of, of, of Samuel's day, there's a need for hope and guidance. God provides with the birth of Samuel, the last judge of Israel. But listen, in our time, Jesus' birth brings the world a savior. So that's clearly marked out for you. So again, you don't have to look at Samuel as like, ah, this doesn't apply to me. It does apply to you. And there's absolutely great wisdom that you can glean from it. And so we're going to hope to navigate that space. Here's some things I just want to leave with you. This morning, and what are the keys to kind of look for in 1 Samuel? The first thing I want you to write down this morning is this God is never satisfied with leaving us in a poor spiritual state. God is never satisfied with leaving us in a poor spiritual state. You notice that I mentioned that earlier of how those first two chapters really kind of highlight that. You see the priesthood and all of its errancy. You see what's going to happen there and just the need to have judges. Okay, because think about it. Joshua is a great book of victory, but it does not end well. And essentially, it goes what? Joshua judges Ruth. I mean, you just remember it. It just rolls off the tongue, right? (laughs) And so that Joshua judges, it's like, oh, no. What happened? The first two, I'll I'll give you this for homework. You should read the first two chapters of Judges and see what happened. The Lord on purpose, on purpose because Israel was not good at completely eradicating the enemy and they cozied up to him. And the Lord on purpose said, I have left them. Why? Because there needs to be desperation still in Israel for God to be at work. And boy, this same thing kind of plays out in our lives. Where it's like, you know, we start coming to church, but she's still going to the boats or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like he he's just fooling around. Clean up. Get free. Come through. Yes, we like to hokey pokey with our with our walk, where it's like, well, Lord, I'm gonna walk this fine line here between I can, I can glorify Your name or soil Your testimony. Listen, God is never satisfied with us being in a poor spiritual state. Psalms 40, 17 says, but I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tearing, O my God. Because see, listen, here's why. He will always provide you with hope and guidance back to him. So you're going to see this kind of desperate spot that Israel's in and the Lord isn't just recording it so that we can laugh at it and and poke and make fun of it. The whole point of that will be that the Lord is wanting to bring hope. That's why Samuel is born. And they need guidance. And the Lord is going to give that key man a platform by which to speak and have Israel's ear. Now, that makes me think about something just in terms of how we view our leadership in this place of, yes, I know which I'm a part of. And it's awkward. Sam is right. It's super weird when you are trying to say, listen to us. <laughs> it's weird. So I'll say, listen to Pastor James. That's, that's easier. <laughs> Pastor James in here. We have a resident pastor that sits in our class with the freedom for you to access him and, and feed, and, oh, Rosie will feed you, and she makes cookies and cakes, and their kids are sweet. They got cats if you like them. <laughs> I don't really, but. <laughs> we actually always have cats, even if you don't. <laughs> right, yeah, Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's my point. I don't. And they still come over to say hi, Dale. <laughs> and the thing, listen, the thing, the thing is this. When you, when you have opportunity, maybe you don't know, and so I want to push you in a direction like that, just to say, take advantage of your leaders. Man, there are things you need prayer on, you need counsel, you need help, you need to be challenged with, you need to be trained on. And that's why the Lord has put leadership in place. The Lord wasn't satisfied, y'all. So he needed to bring some guidance in. And even when Israel is asking a request of him to have a king, and they're not fully understanding what it is they're asking for, they still end up with David. Because God loves him. See, that's the, that's the thing. Even when you don't ask Right? <laughs> The Lord still gives you what you need. The next key that, that we'll kind of see throughout this study is tribulation is a useful tool for God to trigger desperation in us for his deliverance. Let me say it again tribulation is a useful tool for God to trigger desperation in us for his deliverance. Now, you notice the way that I tried to word that is to press upon you. That tribulation then will be geared for you to know that you have no other help but God. Because sometimes you can end up in a tight that you created for yourself and then you try to master your way out of it and manipulate, manipulate your way out of that. Then there are times when you're like, Lord, I have no idea. How am I going to make it? How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to feed my kids? How is this relationship between, you know, my wife going to work out? Lord, I just lost my job today and I don't, I'm afraid to even get out of the car and just tell my wife. That didn't happen to me, but I'm still employed. Thank you. Praise the Lord. All of those things come up, and there is just a point where the Lord just, he lets it happen. He allows it to happen so that you will be desperate for him to show up. And so we're going to see that kind of desperation. Psalms 34.6 says this very simply. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of some of his troubles. Is that what it says? Part of his troubles? The troubles he mentioned to him? No. Actually, it says out of all of his troubles. So listen, get this down. Deliverance takes place when you cry out. See, the thing is, you don't need to just be tough. I'm okay. Hey, how you doing, brother? I'm good. You are so not good. (laughs) And you wouldn't ask for help because that pride in you is like, I got it figured out. I'm going to just, I got this. This is what I got to do. Especially guys, because we think logically, not emotionally a lot of times. And so you'll just say, well, I just need A plus B equals relief. And the Lord goes, B, I just crushed it. (laughs) You know, now what? (laughs) You know, and then you go, "Uh uh-uh. I don't know, Lord, I'm scared. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Sometimes, man. Guys, we got to lead our homes in a way that our families, our wives and our kids see that we are desperate for him. We got to do it. It's just good for us to do that. Deliverance takes place when we cry out. Have you cried out this week? And then, listen, listen, and then... Are you steadfastly waiting for the Lord's answer? Because you could cry out and get impatient. That happens. Boy, I just love Hannah's example there. We'll get a chance to see that. Last one. Victory in life is directly related to participating in God's mission. Victory and life, we're going to see that over the course of this study. Victory and life is direct, directly related to participating in God's mission. In 2 Timothy 2, 19, 19 what is wrong with my, is somebody praying? <laughs> Lord, pray for my mouth today. 2 Timothy 2, 19 and, uh, through 21, 19 says, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. I love that. I just, sometimes there's just things you read in the Bible that just have so much confidence behind them that it, it, it's, it's meant to be a, a, a comfort to you, you know? The foundation of God standeth sure, even especially when you feel like your foundation is moving around. I love that the Bible just says, not God's though. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, another one, just promise. <laughs> the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall. Y'all know it. <laughs> Be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and don't miss this, and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. See, the first thing just of that little space you need to look at is we can't fool God because it says he knows them that are his. And boy, I think about dear Saul and the Lord warned them about how that was going to go. And he gave him opportunity to to basically prove kind of the statement that wrong, like just by obedience. Hey, son, just come to me. Stay with me. Stay obedient. But the Lord looks on the heart. And what we have a tendency to do is look at. Do you fit the the picture? Right. Of what we think leadership should look like. Spouse or, you know. Whatever, right? You're not looking at the heart because you can't. This is why, listen, just to go back for a second and tie that much earlier statement, this is why you have to ask the Lord, especially concerning relationships. You want the Lord's man or woman. When you're getting paired up, man, it is absolutely true that Serene is the one for me. And just how that affects my ministry, right? And so the Lord can redeem that. But, man, you want to ask up front. If you got the chance and you're single, ask up front. And for the married, guess what you get to do? You get to beg the Lord to show up to just help me. Help me do my part. And, Lord, help them. And watch him answer. The Lord can, if he can reconcile us back to him, do you don't think he can fix that? He can fix anything. So you have to you have to come to these places, right? These 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 desperate places and God knows where your heart is and he knows who's playing and who's serious. There are things that we got to put off in order for God to use us. Listen, I know that a lot of times we're like, man, I want to be used of God. And maybe we pine for the limelight of what we think leadership looks like. Um, But listen, it's not going to happen. Until you cast off this other stuff. And sometimes your leadership doesn't know all the details, but the Holy Spirit just hasn't said yes. And that's safety for all involved. That's a beautiful safety for all involved. And so the Lord is just simply telling you, hey, cast off. Why? Because the Lord can't reward disobedience. He can't reward it. He took the man. Listen, when we get to this spot with Saul, it breaks my heart reading it. Because the thing was, is what opportunity he had. Right. And because, you know, even just the role that I'm in and just like, man, I get same thing. I get a chance if my leaders call me to a spot where I get to obey and move forward in faith and I don't answer that. What's what's left for them to do but to take me out of the role? You see what I'm saying? That's what's at risk. So, we got to pay attention to that. And listen, believer, you got to get this down. Unrepentant disobedience will lead to loss. That is clearly identified here in 2 Timothy. Man, don't be a vessel that the Lord says, oh, You had, I had some stuff over here for you, but you. You gave it up. This is why the other idea of just, I'm going to start off good and then end poorly is not a good idea. Man, be faithful throughout. Even despite the challenges that you may have in life, it's going to be important for you to just be faithful throughout. And so, I Listen those are the last of the keys, but I do have, in, in normal form, just that we have a time of prayer and kind of like have a prayer service. My heart is burdened for this. Um, I don't think we pray enough. I know we don't. And, I, and I, even in this endeavor, it's one thing to teach God's word and, 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 you know, find a book and be led to, okay, Lord, I see what it is that you're going to do with this book. But I, I'm, I'm absolutely begging you. Can we get in the group of two, one, three, whatever? I'm not saying you have to move around. I'm not. Today, let's just soberly approach this book and say, Lord, I want to get everything out of here that you want me to have. And so that's going to lead us to teach us to be uh, godly leaders. Man, there, there's no set look in terms of, you know, well, they got to be all like this or all like that. No, that's not the case. And the Lord has given you a platform, a lot of us, because we are adults and we have responsibilities. Some of us are bosses at work. Some of us are bosses in the home. Or like I said, you spiritually, you have discipleship, all of those things. Man, aren't you tired of just being at the mercy of being in a situation where you feel like you don't have the answer? It's frustrating. So we need to we need to ask the Lord to teach us from this book how to be godly leaders. Then we need to ask the Lord to deliver us from the tribulation that we are currently in. Whatever mental distress, whatever thing of the heart, whatever activity you are part of, flee from that. You want the Lord to give you answers on the intricacy and complexity of of how you may have entangled yourself in a web that you really kind of can't see your way out of. And all it leads you to do is play at church, but never you actually never really see any power in your life. See, we need the Lord to deliver us from that tribulation. And then the next thing is that from that man, we ask the Lord, draw us closer. Lord, we need to to get snuggled up with him so close that you can smell his beard oil. That's how close, not not standing there on on your knees. No, Lord, I've been on my knees. Now I'm coming to you. I'm going to embrace you. I'm warning you. I'm going to hug your ribs out. (laughs) Get close. Get close. What does that closeness look like for you? Have you kept the Lord at bay and then noticed that your life Kind of looks like it. And then last, that the Lord would give faith fellowship purpose and fruit. That you would desire the opportunities that not only faith fellowship presents, but ultimately that MBT presents. Those opportunities range from discipleship to Going on trips, you see that we have ministry training. You could be a part of Kid Town and help out and teach our little ones the Word of God. You could, you could um, uh, be a discipler. You could go through LFBI and, 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 and maybe learn how to, how to pastor, be a church planner. What way do you need to move forward in faith? God is giving you an opportunity. Listen. The Great Commission, it's like I said when I had a chance to teach on it before. It's a commandment of opportunity, not just something the Lord is burdening us with. He wants to do it with you. And so, man, you want his purpose. And then I don't want to just be working for the sake of working. I want fruit. Where are the souls of faith Fellowship? Man, I love if you are of new in here and you had a relationship with Jesus Christ prior to, man, I praise God for you. I love you to death. But where are the lost people? With all of us. Not one extra lost person is in this class because of anything we said or did. This is why we got to pray. He's the harvester. All I do is plant seed and water. Okay, so y'all hear me this morning? Can we soberly approach this in prayer, and that we would just see what, and, and then just, and then be expectant that God is going to move? Okay, let's 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 pray, and then I'll I will uh, close this in prayer, and then we'll be dismissed for the day. Heavenly Father. Lord, uh, we just come to you this morning uh, soberly, uh, just in consideration of everything that we've discussed. Uh, Lord, when I just consider um, just the, what your heart is for us and how even you just... The key verse uh, is that you wouldn't forsake us, and it pleased you to make us your people Father, there, there is great promise just in that statement. And um, Father, we have a lot of situations that sometimes tell us differently. Um, we tremble at the things that we're, we've gotten ourselves into or, or maybe have just happened to us, whether they be our illnesses, our relationships, um, or any of those things that um, sometimes can be complicated. Father, I am I'm begging you uh, this morning that we would be a people um, that is looking for you to make us the people you want us to be. You've done everything uh, to, to stop any kind of roadblock between us and you. You've, you've set it down. You nailed it to the cross. You buried it. And so now, Lord, I have full access to you. And yet, Lord, there are times when I just take parts of you. So, Father, I'm just begging you. um, Help us to desire you more, to learn of you more. And then from that, Lord, that that would produce in us a heart for your mission and all the aspects and opportunities presented here at MBT. And then, Lord, that that we would be fruitful from it, that we wouldn't just be working tirelessly and then eventually just getting to a place of murmuring or disputing or being weary in well-doing. But that, Lord, it would be fruit, a fruit that remains, that we can see that you have allowed us to be a part of the privilege of the ministry of of, uh, reconciliation. So, Lord, help us to not just gather... um, Lord, we can can do that in so many other ways. Lord, when we meet, Lord, let it be centered around your word. And Lord, I pray that it would be preeminent in our lives. Father, protect us. Lord, rescue us from our troubles, our minds, our hearts. They're tired. We're weary. We are fainting. We doubt. Lord, whisper to us, I'm begging you, Lord. Encourage the feeble. Lord, tell them again you love them. And don't let any of us go. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.